Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Okay, so Matt asked me to teach tonight. Um, we're going to go ahead and rev up and get ready for our Thanksgiving dinner next week. And the whole point of that is that we want to celebrate our family. We want to come together and we want to eat. We want to have good food, not anything bad. Don't bring that. Bring the best food that you can find, assorted random goodness. Bring it. We're going to feast. It's going to be lit. Um, but also, we don't just want to celebrate with our family because we also want to celebrate and attempt to reach out to other people so that we can add to our family. And that's the goal of what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about how to reach one person. So keep this in your mind throughout all that I talk about tonight. The goal is taking what we learned tonight and then throughout this week, you go apply it, you reach somebody and you bring them with you next week. They, they eat good food. More importantly, they learn about the gospel and they hear about Jesus. So that's our thing that we're going to talk about tonight. If you guys want to go ahead and open your Bibles with me, we're going to camp out here the whole time. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We can go and open up there. All right. So the question, too, that I want to ask, we're focusing on reaching people with the gospel. Um, so just, just answer this in your head. Answer this to yourself. Think about it. Do you guys honestly, when you leave church, do you go and tell people about what you learned? Do you go and share the gospel with people daily? Do you come in contact with people? Do you talk? Do you talk about Jesus? Do you point them back to the Bible and back to the cross? If the answer is yes, great. But if the answer is no, be honest with yourself. Um, and there's a few reasons normally why we're not sharing the gospel. Are we not sharing the gospel because we're holding on to shame from our past sins and we don't feel worthy to share the gospel? Are we not sharing the gospel because we don't think we're smart enough? Are we not sharing the gospel because we don't think we're witty enough that we can't convince them? Why is it? It might be different for each of us, but that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So there's going to be four steps, and our goal is if we're going to reach the one, Broger, you can pull up the next slide. If we're going to reach the one, we have to know this, this truth. I can only reach others when I stop holding on to myself. Rooted at everybody not reaching out and preaching the gospel is self-centeredness. We're focused on ourselves. We're not focused on others. And we're not focused on God. So we're going to talk about that tonight with four steps from 2 Corinthians 4. Hopefully we can learn how to effectively share the gospel with boldness. So we're going to, I'm going to break this up so I'm not reading the whole chapter at once. The first section we're going to read is verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read it. Um, if you want to follow along with me in your Bible, that's awesome. But if not, there's good news for you. It's on the board so you can read it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read from this. My version is the ESV. I know Matt normally uses the NIV, so if you think it's different, that's why. So I'll go ahead and read. Um, Paul's writing here to a church in Corinth, and he says to them, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we don't lose heart. And if you are one to underline in your Bible, underline that phrase, we don't lose heart. Trust me, we're coming back to it. We don't lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded. What underhanded means is it's like things we want to keep in secret. We've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So we're going to break this down a little bit. Um, what I want to look at first is look in verse 2 where Paul says, by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. 
that word, I'm not trying to get too technical, but if you look at that word in the Greek, what it means is two things. It means to prove something and to show something to be legitimate. So when, I'm, when Paul's saying, I commend myself to the conscience of others, he says, by the way that I live, I've renounced these past ways, the things that I used to do, the sinful nature. I've done this in order to commend myself, in other words, to prove myself to these people. By the way that I live, I want to prove to them that my faith is legitimate. So that's the first thing, Broger. If you want to pull up my first point, you can skip around to that. I'm sorry I'm not following my slides as I should have. But if you want to go to the first point, it's if we want to effectively reach our one, we have to get rid of any sin that distracts them from the truth. Because what Paul says in verse 2 is, I'm running away from this sin because I want to prove my faith, faith to be legitimate to those that I come in contact with. I'm getting rid of all of it. Because if they see me and I'm preaching the gospel on one hand, and as this slide of God up here, you're a pastor, and you're wielding two beers in the other hand, no one's going to believe you. Your faith isn't legit because the gospel is transforming and it changes you. Now, I want to break this down a little bit, too. Because when we think of sin, it's obvious. What do we think of our textbook sins? Sex, drugs, alcohol, cussing. But I want to take it further. Paul's not just renouncing. He's not saying that I'm just renouncing sin. He takes it a step further. I'm renouncing disgraceful, underhanded ways. He doesn't say anywhere in this passage, he doesn't say the word sin. Because Paul's goal is not to just live by the textbook right and wrong. Paul's goal is to reach others. And in order, he's going to do more than just not sin. If there's anything in his life that he's doing that distracts people from the gospel, he gets rid of it. The question that I hear a lot of times is, well, does the Bible say I can do this? Or does the Bible say I can do that? If you're asking that question, you should evaluate and look at why you're asking it. Because you want to bend it just as far as you can, but that's not the goal. The goal of following Christ and telling others about Him is to do whatever in our power we can to show that this gospel is legitimate. I was this way, but I'm not anymore, and I'm going to run as far away from it as possible. Because we can go to passages and look at alcohol. Was it really a sin to drink beer? What do we want to do with it? Believe what you want on it. It doesn't necessarily ever say that it's sinful, but it says for someone who knows to do right and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. So that's the thing. We don't just need to go for how far can we go before it's too far and we sin. We've got to draw a line further back so others can see the gospel has actually transformed us. And I want to I take a break real quick and explain because I know I can throw around a lot of words that's very, very like Christian. One's gospel. What's that mean? Before we go any further, because the entire message is how to share the gospel with people, what we need to do to boldly share the gospel. I want to break it down, because we can't share something unless we know what it is, right? So we've got to have a good understanding of what that is. Gospel literally just means two words, good news. And I'll tell you a little truth. Good news, in order to be good, has to what? Has to invade a bad space. It's not good unless something bad's going on. Say I go to the doctor, and they say, we've got good news for you. Great, the bad thing didn't happen, right? In this sense, the gospel is good news because it's the news that we, if you're saved, we were, I was. If you are, you still are a sinner. And you have uh, an end coming. And that's separation from God, eternal hell. But there's good news because Jesus stepped into the dark space. He stepped into the bad space. He opened it and brought good news. And the good news is because of his sacrifice on the cross. You can live with him forever in heaven when you die. But that's only half the story. Because it's more than just what we do when we die, too. The gospel is so much more than that, because it transforms us here and now. If you want to look, you can turn really quick. 
Broger, if you've got that on there, some, actually, I didn't put it in my slide. Sorry. If you want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you can look. I'm just going to reference one verse because this is what the gospel is. This is what it does. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'll just quote it off my head. If I'm wrong, correct me. As someone who opens their Bible there. But 2 Corinthians 5, you just literally have to look one page over in your Bible. It says, if anyone is in Christ, therefore, if anyone's saved, if anyone's been transformed by the gospel, what's the next part say? They're a new creation. The old has passed away and new things have come. So the gospel steps into the bad space. And yes, it, 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 it gives us an eternal salvation and security in Christ. But more than that, it rids ourselves of our old self and brings about the new. And that's the message that we present the message, and Paul's going to go on here, and we'll, we'll talk about it as we get further, but I just wanted to step back and explain what the gospel is. We have to know and have a good idea and a good picture of this so we can tell others. And how this was achieved, how the gospel and how we can go to heaven was happened, was because Jesus came, he stepped into the bad space, he died on the cross for us, took on our weight, our sin, rose three days later, and the same is going to happen to us. We're dying. When we step in and accept the gospel, he raises us to life with him. We're going to raise with Christ. And that's the point of the gospel. That's the message that we share. So it transforms us. And just like this point here, we want to run from anything that distracts people from the truth of the gospel. Not just sin, but anything you might do that distracts them. In Paul's time, he was trying to reach a lot of Jews, and they were holding on to old rituals and customs, and they couldn't eat certain meats and whatever. And Paul said, when I'm with the Jews, I'm going to act like a Jew. So Paul said, when I'm with the Jews, if me eating meat offends them and distracts them from the truth, I'm not going to eat meat, because why? The gospel is so much more important than my right to eat meat. Yeah, I'm free to do it, but reaching them with the gospel is so much more important. And that's what we need to practice in our life. What can we rid ourselves of so people see no fault in us? And what Paul's saying here, if you look in verse 3, he says, even if our gospel is veiled, in other words, even if they don't understand the gospel, he says, it's not because of me, but it's because the God of this world has blinded their minds. The God of this world most people believe that to be Satan. That's the way that I would take it. They're saying, if anyone doesn't believe the gospel, they're not going to look at me and say, you're a hypocrite, you're telling a lie. You know any hypocrites that say they're Christians, but the way that they live says the opposite? Paul says, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to live in such a way and demonstrate that I have been transformed. I'm in Christ. I'm a new creation. That's what he wanted to demonstrate. Berger, you can bring us on to our next point, number two. Um, and the reason why we're able to live this new life is because we've been transformed by the Holy Spirit. It's not of ourselves. It's in the Spirit. So the next point that I want to talk about is that if we want to reach our one, we have to rely on the Spirit of God. And we're going to get that from verses 5 to 7. We'll go ahead and read that if you want to follow along with me. Paul says, for what we proclaim, in other words, the gospel is not ourselves, but it's Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, which is the Holy Spirit, in jars of clay, which is ourselves, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. There's only one way to live this new life, to live in this grace, to live and demonstrate the power of the gospel. That's to be changed. And when we believe in the gospel and we're transformed, it's because of the spirit that God puts inside of us. We can only reach others with the gospel when we rely on the Spirit of God. How many times, when you say, what, if you hear somebody telling, go tell others about Jesus, you immediately go, nope, not me. I'm shy, or I'm dumb, or like, 
Two weeks ago, I was just acting in an ungodly way. And they're going to say, and you're trying to preach to me? What's the problem there? We're saying, I, 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 me, me, me. And if, whenever you're talking about the gospel, if you say I, I, or me, me, all that, you don't understand the gospel. Because it's not of us. It's of God. We're saved how? Ephesians 2 says we're saved by grace through what? Faith. Not by works, lest anyone should boast. Because if it was by my work, if I did anything to save myself, I'd be able to go, yeah, I'm a pretty sharp guy. God really loves me more than you because I'm just so worthy and I can share the gospel in an effective manner. But it's not. I can't boast. Before I was saved, y'all don't want to see that way. You don't want to meet him. That has been transformed and there's been a new creation that I can only go, that's the spirit of God. I wanted nothing to do with Jesus. If you ask me, I hated him. Wanted nothing to do with him. Transform me. I can only accredit that to the Spirit of God. Not myself. I can't boast. So whenever we talk about reaching the gospel, you've got to rely on the Spirit. He's promised to work through you. When, he, when Jesus told us to make disciples, he said, I'm going to be with you always. That's a promise. It's a guarantee. Step into that space. Test God. I dare you. Try it. Prove it, as Paul would say, as I like to say. Prove it. Step out. Share the gospel. I have a few times in my life, whenever I share the gospel with somebody, I get into these weird things where my mouth is talking quicker than my mind. I don't even know what I'm saying because that's what? The Spirit of God kicks in. I'll give you an example. Just I want to make this extremely applicable too. I don't want to just break down the text and we can't apply this to our life because this is so important. We have to go into our schools, into these spaces where people need the Lord and talk about Him to them. And over the summer, I was in Costa Rica um, if anyone knows me, I don't have the best Spanish. Um, I'm trying to get there. I know a little bit, un poco. Um, and I'm in downtown in Costa Rica, and I'm really bored walking around. I walk into a gelato shop. I want to get some ice cream. Uh, it was raining outside. I really just want to stay out of the rain. And there's a guy in there I go and talk to. So I start ordering in Spanish and speaking to him in Spanish. And I'm pretty sure it's because my Spanish was so crappy. He's like, you from America? Yes, sir. This dude knows English. Fluent. He used to work in a call center and had to learn English. So he was excellent. And I go, okay, this is really weird because no one in that area really knew English. It was a more rural part of Costa Rica where they didn't know. So I was like, okay, this is, I better share the gospel with this guy. I feel like God's opened that door. Start sharing with him. And I'm saying stuff that I didn't even know. <laughs> like the spirit just starts coming in and you can just feel it speaking through you. You start, you know, like I said, your mouth goes quicker than your mind. Why? Because it's not me. It's the spirit of God working within me. And Catholicism is huge in Costa Rica, and not to get too deep into that, I'm not going to run them down this rabbit hole too far, but Catholics, uh, their main thing is they go to priests, and they pray through Mary. We, as Protestant Christians, just pray straight to Jesus. They don't do that. They don't understand that doctrine. So I start talking with them, and they don't really read the Bible. They just trust on the priest to tell them what it says, and really they'll say, hey, like in Costa Rica, this is a big thing. They'll say, oh, the Bible says to give me this amount of money. It doesn't say that, but they don't know that because they don't read it. So I show him verses where it talks about we can pray to Christ, we can be saved by grace through faith. And he's like, how are you reading that? I've got the Bible on my phone. It's like, what the heck? You've got that on your phone? Yeah, he downloads the app instantly, and I had to leave. He's like, can I add you on Facebook? And he'll still message me randomly. And like every time I post things now, he likes it. He's super interested. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I walk into a rural part of a foreign country. This dude knows fluent English. What can I credit that to? Not myself. I didn't do anything. Spirit of God. Trust him. Step into these spaces. Test them. And what? 
Let's look at verse 7, because this is where I want to spend the bulk of my time. This is the point of this passage. It's the pivotal part of all of this. Paul says, but we have this treasure. And what is this treasure? The Holy Spirit. We have this treasure in jars of clay ourselves to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. If anybody knows about a clay jar, how valuable are they? Not very valuable, right? You drop it on the ground, what's it going to do? It's going to shatter into a million pieces, right? So God's saying, I put this treasure myself in jars of clay, us, to show that the power belongs to him, not us. So God steps into us, and when people see, I meet people that I knew in high school, and they know the old Wyatt, but not the new Wyatt. It's something that is a great testimony to talk to them about. This is how it's transformed. Because they even know something's different. Let me tell you about the Spirit of God. Because he steps in, in us. When he uses useless, sinful man like us, it's not to bring you up. It's to show that he's worthy, that he's awesome. It says that the glory belongs to God and not to us. And if you look throughout this entire chapter, how many times do we see that it's not about us, it's about God? I'll break them down a little bit. We look at verse 4, it says the, the gospel for the glory of Christ. It's not ourselves, it's for Jesus' sake, for God shown in our hearts, for the glory of God. The power belongs to God. Then in verse 10, it says the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. 11 says for Jesus' sake, the life of Jesus, for it is for your sake, the sake of others. We see that down in verse 15, and again, to the glory of God. What do you think? It's not about us, right? You get that point from all that? It's God steps in. Let me see. I'll use this as an example right here. I've got a full pizza. Does anybody want this pizza? Avery, would you like this pizza? I bet you would. I knew you would. Open that up for me. Open that up. Why are you upset, bro? I just gave you a pizza. There's nothing in there, but I gave you a pizza box. That's good enough, right? Why? Because what? Say that into this mic. Because there ain't no pizza in it. There ain't no pizza in it. All right, so Matt showed me this example, and it's spot on and awesome. It's not mine. I'm not this witty. Trust me. But here's the thing. As God, as Paul says here that the Holy Spirit stepped into us to show that the power is not ours, but it's God, it's the same as this. There's no value in a pizza box. There's a value in what? What's inside the box? If someone just hands you an empty pizza box, you're going to Avery and go, hey, what the heck, right? Or how would you like it, Avery, if I came and handed you a pizza? I just had it on my hand, cheese is goozing everywhere, real nasty hand, and I hand it to you. You want that pizza? Why? Because it doesn't have a box, right? There's no value in the box whatsoever. There's no value in the box. But the pizza is valuable in and of itself. The box only receives value when there's a pizza in it, right? Just in the same sense of ourselves, we're useless. We have no value except with the Spirit of God in us. When He steps into that, into that space, that's the gospel, that's the good news, that He transforms us and uses a broken, screwed-up vessel like ourselves. And you go, now that's it. It's not in ourselves. Again, if you haven't got the point yet, it's not about ourselves. It's about who? God. And why? So we can reach others with this message, right? I want to move on to the next part, too. i got to speed up a little bit here. Broker, if you pull up point three for me, um, here's another thing that we have to do. If we want others to see the gospels legit in our lives, 
What we have to do is embrace suffering. And you're like, oh man, let me explain this. We're going to read the passage and we're going to break it down. We're going to start here in verses 5 through 7, no, not 5 through 7, I'm sorry, 8 through 12. It says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So we looked that down. If we just read that passage, it'd be pretty depressing, right? And I want to break this down a little bit. And I mean, when you look at somebody who goes through hardships and suffering, one of the greatest apologetics, in other words, one of the greatest ways for people to see that Christianity is legitimate is when we're beaten, we're broken down, and we don't quit. We don't throw in the towel. How are we able to do that? Again, because not because of ourselves. It's because of what's in us. Paul said, we're beaten but not broken. Imagine if you take a jar of clay and drop it on the ground. We said, what? It break. If I take a jar of clay and drop it on the ground, beat it around and it doesn't break, what are we going to say? There's something inside of that probably keeping it from breaking. We wouldn't go, man, that, that jar is pretty awesome. It saved itself really well. I wouldn't say that would be stupid. Because there's something inside of that that's strengthening it. And that's, again, what Paul continues to put out here. And when people see that in us, we're beaten, but we're not, we're not, we're not destroyed. We're perplexed, but we're not, dis, we're, not, we're not despairing. We continue on in our faith. And when people see that in us, they're going to say, wait, sinful man can't do that of himself. There's got to be something inside of him helping him to do that or her. And whenever we see that, it's incredible. And we're, we will press on more and more. And I want to look back. This is going to be the, we're going to flip to one more passage after this. But if you want to go to Philippians 1, I'm going to read a little passage from there. It's Philippians 1, chapter, uh, Philippians 1, verses 27 through 30. Paul says almost the same thing here. Um, in verse 27, he, he starts and he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you, where I'm absent, I may hear of you, so that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. And here's, here's where I want to focus. For it has been granted to you. What he's saying has been granted to you. Your salvation, the fact that you've been saved. You've been saved for the sake of Christ, so that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer. For his sake. You've been saved to suffer. You hear that very often? Nope. We'll continue. And he says, you're engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Paul's saying this after he had had the crap beat out of him and he's sitting in prison. And he writes this. If you're going to be saved, there's hardship that comes with it. He goes, you're going to share in what Christ went through. Look at the picture that I've got on there. Christ suffering. Suffers more than we ever will, any of us. Yet when we go through little things in our lives, we want to throw in the towel. But one of the greatest ways for people to see that the gospel is true and legitimate in our lives is the way that we behave when things get hard. Because normal people just give up, throw it in. But when they see that you don't, it's because the Spirit's inside of you. They see something's different. So that's the third way to see that the gospel is legitimate inside of us. Um, we're going to go on to the last point now. And it's that if we want to be able to reach our one, 
we must fix our eyes not on what is, but what is to come. And we're going to start, uh, go back to our passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to finish up here. We're going to start in verse 13 and just go to the end of the chapter. I'll read that, and we'll break it down a little bit. Paul says, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Remember verse 1, I told you to underline we don't lose heart. Underline this too. He's going to explain right here how he does not lose heart and how he presses on. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal forever. So here's the last thing that Paul says. This is the secret to how I don't lose heart in ministry and sharing the gospel with others. I look at what I'm going through right now, and that's short. It's temporary. But I look forward to what's eternal. And I'm just going to say straight up, it's easier said than done. I can tell you, look forward to what's coming. You're like, thanks, man, but it really sucks right now, right? It does. This is not to belittle any kind of present circumstances. But when we look forward to what's to come, it makes them seem smaller because our God is so much bigger. And what Paul's exactly looking at, we're going we're gonna to flip back to one more passage and we're done flipping around, I promise. Paul says the same exact thing, but actually goes into it a little bit more in Romans chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. Go to Romans 8, 16 through 18. Paul expounds on this a little bit further. And He's talking about this future glory that's coming along with his suffering. Yeah, things suck now, but in the future it's going to be so much better. And this is what motivates me to press on. He says in verse 16 in Romans 8, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are all children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And here's the outlier here. Provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So Paul says, I look forward to one day when I'm with God, and he's going to glorify me with Christ. And we look at that, and a lot of people just want to tell you that and stop there. But what was the main thing that he said there that seemed pretty tough? We're going to be glorified with Christ, what? As long as we suffer along with Christ. Christian, you know it's coming. Don't act surprised. The, any kind of gospel that says believe in Jesus and life is going to be happy-go-lucky and daisies every single day, they're full of it. If you read the Bible and you're honest with what's seen, Jesus was crucified. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was beaten time and time again and put in jail. John was thrown into boiling oil and then put onto an island, exiled. All these guys, they suffered for the sake of Christ. So would we think that it's going to be any different today? In America, we have it easy. It's a little different than through other parts of the world because we don't have religious persecution here. The worst that we have is somebody might look at us funny because we're a Christian and we say the name Jesus. That's nothing to get thrown into a boiling pit of oil. Just going to say that. But it's, it's so different here in this country to be able to even imagine that people, honestly, when they put their faith in Christ, they had to say, I'm literally willing to die for him. That was an everyday risk. And it still is through various countries in the world, especially in the Middle East. 
when people come to faith in Christ, it's a big deal because they know that they're transformed, that they're going to start living in Him. It's not one of these things, I went to a VBS and I said a prayer, I'm a Christian now. It's totally different because they understand the gospel so much better when they understand what is at stake. They're going to suffer. So when they do that, they really understand what they're signing up for. They're not just throwing in a prayer and saying, oh, this is awesome. They get it because it's all over the Bible. Philippians 1, it says, you've been granted salvation so that you can also suffer. Romans 8, he says, you're going to be glorified as long as you suffer. That's the point. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's impossible, actually, without the Spirit of God. God doesn't put us through hard things without giving us the means to get through them. In yourself, you never will. But in the Spirit, you will. And when you focus to what's to come, when you're going to be glorified with Christ, that's a promise. It makes your current situation no smaller, but it just makes you look more to God, and you have the motivation then to get through it by the Spirit inside of you. And when people see that, they can beat up on you, say whatever they want to you, and you're not going to back down because what? You trust in the Spirit. They're going to go, again, there's something about this person that's different. So those are the main points of the Scripture I wanted to hit at. I've got four application points that corresponds with each of them, and then we're going to get out of here and go to tag. I'm going to hit these just real quick, so if you want to write them down, make it quick. The first application is, I've got, I pulled a Matt McClay here. I've got four S words, baby. The first one is seek. Seek to live beyond a checklist of right and wrong. Christianity is so much more than listening to super awful K-Love music and not saying cuss words. He's freed us to so much more, and it's not just following a list of what's right and wrong. It's living in the grace and the freedom of Christ so that we can share with others and point them to Him. It's freeing. It should, if, if you think that Christianity is something that you're tied by this leash, obey this, don't obey that, or you're going to hell, you don't understand the gospel. It's freeing. So seek to live beyond that checklist of what's right and wrong. The second one, surrender your pride. You show me a person who's not sharing the gospel, and I'll show you a person who's suffering from pride. Surrender it. Either we think way too much of ourselves, and whenever we share the gospel, we go, oh, I'll share the gospel with this guy because I'm naturally bold in myself, or I'm naturally intelligent, et cetera, et cetera. Me, me, me. And then you've got the flip side of it. I can't share the gospel because I don't know anything because I'm weak, because I'm not smart, all of these other things. Two different total things, but they both root in the fact that we don't trust in God. Throw your pride down and surrender to Christ and the Holy Spirit to work within you. The third one, this is the hardest one, I'm just going to say, suffer with a smile. You normally hear like service with a smile. No, suffer with a smile. Not always going to be easy, and I know we're not always going to be smiling. Somebody whacks you in the face and you just smile right back at him. Thanks, man. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying when we suffer, show them that they can't break you down because of the Spirit of God that's inside of you that you want so bad for them to have as well. Fourth and last, set. Set your mind on the eternal. We just went over that, self-explanatory. What's now is temporary. What's in the future? It's forever. We can't understand eternity. It's so big. We can't ever fully comprehend waking up another day and go, I'm never going to die. I'm in eternity. We can't grasp that. But when we know that it's going to be peace and we're going to be with God forever, it makes this time now what Paul called a light momentary affliction. So to close up, I've got one last question for you. Who's your one? Throughout all this, as we talk about reaching somebody, who's the first person that comes to your head? Write that name down if you've got a pen. Write that name down. Pray over it every day. Don't just pray for them either. Prayer should always lead to action. 
Pray for them, and then when you see them, you best be talking to them. Ask them to come with you next Wednesday to our Thanksgiving dinner. Matt's going to share next week, again, a verse out of this passage. He's going to focus on a little bit deeper than I hit on that one. He's going to share that with them. The gospel's going to be presented, and it's going to be a great night. Lots of food, and they're going to hear about Jesus. So who's your one? Go out and reach them. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go down to tag. Sound good? Father, I just want to thank you and praise you for the opportunity to come and gather tonight. I thank you for the opportunity to share from your word. I pray, God, that as I spoke, that it wasn't myself, but it was just you working and speaking through me. God, I pray for those of us in here tonight who do know you and have been saved, that you will just work within us, just stir up our hearts and our affections for you, help us to fall more in love with you, and just go out to tell others about this message. That, God, we won't trust in ourselves because we can't do anything in ourselves, but we'll trust in your spirit to work and speak through us and know that we can't save anybody. We can't put faith in anybody. Only you can stir their heart to be saved, and I pray that we'll trust in that and know that you will do it. God, I pray for anybody in here who doesn't know you. They don't know what all this might be about. That God, I pray that whenever I talked about the gospel that they understood and they will come to know you. God, if there's anybody in here tonight that doesn't know you, I pray that it's the night that they put their faith in you, that you'll transform them and help them to be a child as well. God, I just love you. I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for this night to just share your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.